the biggest lie that we have ever been told or sold in our lives and businesses is that we have to be serious to be successful. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Who here, raise your hands if you've ever felt like you were drowning in your own feces? Wow, only one. That's amazing. Okay. This is probably not going to go like I thought it was. I thought there was going to be a lot more people into that. Well, let me tell you about it. So FECES is an acronym, F-E-C-S, that stands for Fetal Entrepreneur Couch Syndrome. Get, oh, FECES. I hear it now. No, I didn't mean shit, guys. I meant like, I meant this. So has anybody ever experienced this? Fetal entrepreneur couch syndrome. It's if you're an entrepreneur and you find yourself in the fetal position on the couch, wondering what in the shit you're doing with your life and wondering why you decided to do this instead of just working at a corporate job because that would be so much smarter and your family would actually respect the work you're doing and you could pay for things like toilet paper. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) The Jasons have it. I experienced a lot of feces in my life. The time when I really discovered that it was feces that I was dealing with, I had my own feces moment where one night in 2013, I've been doing coaching and speaking now for about five years, a little over five years. Before that, I had a couple other more traditional startups, which you should know if you saw my bio. And there was this night, it was a Thursday night and it was 7 p.m. I know it was 7 p.m. because Jeopardy was on. Any Jeopardy fans in the house? Yeah, cool. All right, a couple cerebral types. Uh, Maybe you guys like Wheel of Fortune instead, you know, what the plebes watch. So I was trying to watch Jeopardy, but I couldn't because I was in the fetal position on my couch, scrolling on my phone, not on Facebook like I normally would be, but on Monster and Career Builder. And I was about a year into my coaching practice. The first year of my coaching business, I made $12,000. That's not true. It was $11,672, which is also bullshit because 5,000 of that was me transferring money from my personal account into my business account. (laughs) So I didn't make much my first year. And I felt like I was putting in all this work. I felt like I was being so serious and determined and trying to do this work and not getting the traction that I thought I should be getting. And so all of that led me to be on the couch in the fetal position, scrolling and looking for a job and saying, fuck this, I'm done. It's too hard. I don't understand why it's not working for me. And what I realized through that process and then getting coaching around that myself and doing my own inner work and a lot of the stuff that all of you are doing on a regular basis, which is one of the reasons you're here is you believe in this stuff, is I realized that I was taking life and business very seriously. Very seriously. I was making it the most significant thing in my life. Has anybody ever done this before? Just taken life or business way to, thank God, I thought we were going to have another feces moment with like this one beautiful woman raising her hand and everybody else like, what the hell are you talking about? And seriousness was so pervasive in my life and so pervasive in my health that I had struggled with weight my entire life. I was 250 pounds when I was 15 years old, which is when kids are really loving and accepting and would never judge you (laughs) based on your appearance. So teenage years were awesome for me. And it got worse and worse to the point where in my late 20s, I was making six figures, well over six figures in a corporate IT job. I was in technology for 15 years. And at 29 years of age, I looked like this. Nobody says wow when I lip sync a rap song. That's pretty fucking cool, but you're fat. You get a wow. (laughs) Priorities, people. So I was 332 pounds here. And because I have an international audience, I Googled this. I was 150 kilos. So you can stop Googling. 27 stone, I think, maybe 23, I don't know, whatever. And beyond the way I looked, that wasn't the worst of it. The heavier weight that I was carrying was the mental weight and the emotional weight and so much sadness and anger and depression and suicidal thoughts. It was a really dark time for me. No matter how good I was doing in my corporate job, It was really feeling heavy and hard and serious to be me. And what you can't even see in this picture, the real tragedy is in that middle shot, I'm wearing socks and flip-flops. 
I mean, it was, it was a bad time in my life, guys. It was really, it was a really dangerous time to be me. So I ended up taking control of my life. And if you want to know the story of my weight loss stuff, it's the first chapter of my book, Prison Break. It goes all in depth in that. And I want to really focus on the entrepreneurial stuff with you guys. So I'm not going to go into that, but check out the book. You can read that. And so what I really came to realize here was that the biggest lie that we have ever been told or sold in our lives and businesses is that we have to be serious to be successful. Literally, I heard for years, you better get serious about your health. If you're a serious entrepreneur, you would do this. If you want to be in a serious relationship, you'll show up this way. And for me, language is important. Language is super important. And when I hear the word serious, I contract. I get small. My butthole puckers up. Like, I do not want to take action. Oh, was that TMI for some of you? I don't want to take action when I'm feeling overly serious. Can anybody resonate with this? Does the word serious feel contracting to you? And this is the opposite of serious is not to be aimless or reckless or not have any idea or goal or plan or whatever you want to do. The opposite of serious in my world, and this is a distinction that I originally got from Alan Watts, is sincere. The opposite of serious is sincere. I want to be sincere about my work. I want to be committed. I want to be devoted. I want to pay attention. I want to pour my love and my service into my work. But I don't want to take it overly seriously. I don't want to make it overly significant. Does this resonate? Yes or no? Yes. I mean, like Jim says, yes or yes? yes? I'm so stealing that. It's fucking awesome. So that kind of became my mission in life is how do I help people be less serious and be higher performing as a result of it? And so I created a program called Playful Prosperity that I started last year, which is super fun and super awesome. And it's all about how to be more playful, how to create inner and outer prosperity. For the first group of graduates, I created this image with all their pictures. And then in the middle, it says, I love you so much. It can't all be winners, folks. <laughs> I thought that was genius. <laughs> so did my mom. <laughs> By the way, I love how all my notes and the presenter notes are in Estonian. Very helpful as I go through the presentation. <laughs> Mark made the poll. That's what it says. I don't fucking know. I, I just called somebody's mother a whore. I have no clue what's going on. So anyways, then I took that a step further, and what I really do now is I primarily work with coaches, online educators, thought leaders, speakers, and I wanted to get all of us, and this is why I'm telling you this, I want to get all of us out of this belief in thinking, A, that business has to be serious, B, that business has to be hard, and C, that there's some cookie-cutter way that you're supposed to build your business. If anybody tells you, this is the way to build your business, run as fast as you can, because there is no way to run your business. There is your way but there is no the way. And the message that I got so much when I first started this business, and actually I had two other startups that had nothing to do with personal growth before, and the same thing applied there, is everybody wanted me to kind of do what they had done. Everybody wanted me to do what everybody else had done. And to me, that's doing business as usual. And I want you guys instead to do business unusual. I want you to really key into what makes you, you, and have that be the driving force for you creating your business. So I actually created a program called the Business Unusual System. It's the bus for short, so we have tons of bus jokes, hence the vroom, vroom, honk, honk. I am nothing if not a seven-year-old with my comedy. And so that's really what I want to play with with you guys today is some of the stuff that I've actually only taught in this program and that I've saved so I could teach here with you guys because you guys are my tribe. Any A-Festers in the house, by the way? Show of hands and show of woos. Come on, woos, A-Festers. There we go, okay. My Mind Valley tribe is so close to my heart, so I'm sharing this stuff with you that I haven't shared anywhere else publicly. But the core of everything that I'm going to share with you today is really one question. And we're going to go back to this question over and over again. And it's this. How can I play with this? Any challenge, any opportunity, any stressor, how can I play with this? <laughs> so <laughs> the question is, how can I play with this? And play is bolded, not just because it's what we're focusing on, but because we don't actually have to work on stuff. We can play with things. There's a term called Asobase Kotoba. Has anybody heard of Asobase Kotoba? Sweet, that I could just make shit up. This is a real thing. And essentially, it's a concept in Japan where instead of working on things, you play with them. So you don't work through challenges, you play through challenges. You don't work on a project, you play with a project. You think about musical instruments. Musical instruments are played, they're not worked. Musical instruments also do not play themselves. They require engagement. They require us to be sincerely involved in order for that music to be made. So how can I play with this becomes kind of the mantra for what we're doing here. Is everybody down with that, to play with your challenges? Yes? 
Awesome. Okay. So what I want to do here is I want to go through a few of these SFMs that I mentioned, right? Simple fundamental misunderstandings of what it takes to run a business. I want to give you access to what I have not only done for myself, but what I continue to do every day. Like if there's ever a time where the stuff I'm teaching is not stuff I'm still working on myself, I'm not meant to teach that anymore. I'm uniquely qualified to teach everything that I teach because it's still my work daily, not with clients only, with myself. These are daily things that I have to check into as well. So we're going to go through three things here. Now, the other thing I want to mention is I'm trying my best to do this because I know it's the format that we're doing here. I really prefer conversation over presentation. So I'm going to share things with you, but I really want us to get into question and answer. But even if it's like some live coaching, if there's something going on in your world, I want to make this real for you because if you love everything you hear in this room and then on the other side of the doors, it doesn't actually apply and it doesn't work for you, this was a total waste besides my beautiful performance. This was a total waste of your time and energy. This shit needs to work on the other side of the doors. So I want you guys to be thinking as you're sitting here listening, asking yourselves, okay, where might this apply in my life and where do I need some support to make that happen? And we'll have a chance to do that somewhere towards the end of the talk, okay? So just be thinking about that as you're going through this. So the first fundamental misunderstanding I want to talk about is around finding your voice and owning your power. And I hear this so much from people, they want to do this. Now, the funny thing is, it doesn't actually show up this way. And again, like I said, language is super important. Nobody wakes up at 3 a.m. and says, oh my God, if I could just find my voice and own my power, my life would be so much better. Actually, maybe in this group, some people do that. (laughs) Those people are also sleeping in Lululemon yoga pants. You said you do? Then that's totally fine. I didn't mean to make fun of you. So what really happens is, They're taking life too seriously, and the way it really typically formulates in your head is, oh crap, this is super serious. I need to be 100% original and a friggin' all-knowing expert in order to be successful. Has anybody who had this thought in their head? They have to be a completely original, revolutionary, breaking the mold, better than anybody's ever done anything before. Yeah. And that really holds us back when we start taking that stuff so seriously, that we have to be a 100% all-knowing expert. Now, here's the thing. Who here is now or wants to be a coach, an online educator, a speaker, a trainer, something in personal growth? Okay, cool. And other people here who are entrepreneurs that want to do something service-based, raise your hand. Cool. All right. So we've covered pretty much everybody. Especially if you're a coach, a speaker, a trainer, an online educator, and with service-based industry stuff now, connection is the number one form of currency we have. So if you are not willing to be at the forefront, if you're not willing to be the face of your brand, it's going to be more difficult to grow your business, in my opinion. This is all just my experience of business in the world. There's nothing I'm saying here that's right or wrong. I'm not saying it's going to work for you or it won't work for you, so I don't need you to agree with me or believe me or trust me. I'm just sharing my experience, and that has been my experience, that it's super, super important for us to be a huge part of what we're doing. And so if that is true, then why would we focus on trying to be a 100% all-knowing expert? It doesn't make sense because that has nothing to do with us. And so the distinction came, and I work primarily in distinctions, this versus that, makes it very easy to remember. So you don't have to have like a five-step process to do the stuff that I'm talking to you about. It's like up or down, day and night, boy and girl. The last one's a little more difficult. But typically, up and down, left and right, on and off. It's easy. It's distinctions. So I want to share with you a really key distinction here that changed my entire life. Honestly, I really mean this. I'm not exaggerating, which I tend to do, but this one time I'm not going to. I thought that when I first started my business, I didn't just think, I obsessed over finding the thing that I would be known for. The one thing I could say is mine, the proprietary process, or the message, or the whatever it was, that was going to be my thing. And once I found that thing, the money was just going to pour in, and I was going to be T. Harv Eker overnight, or Oprah, or somebody equally disgustingly rich. And so when I started, my goal was what to be known for. And it was debilitating as shit. Because everywhere I would look, somebody has done that already. Everywhere I go, people have already done that message. I remember the first person I saw that was kind of doing comedy along with personal growth was Marie Forleo. Anybody know Marie Forleo? Yeah, awesome, right? If you haven't checked her out, she's fantastic. Check me out first. (laughs) To exhaustion. And then when you have like 30 seconds of energy left, check her out. But check her out with that 30 seconds. Really focus on her. And she was the first person I saw, and immediately, while I wanted to be like, oh my God, I'm so excited, somebody else is doing comedy and personal growth, I instead said, oh my God, somebody's doing comedy and personal growth. So I can't do it anymore. It's total bullshit. So here's what I shifted to. So instead of being known for and obsessing over my content, 
obsessing over being known for one particular thing. I started seeing that when I would be out in public and I would do talks and I would be on a podcast or when I was doing the book tour, the press tour for Prison Break, I would be on like these morning talk shows. I noticed this thing that kept happening that I totally pushed away, that I ignored. No, I didn't ignore it. I actively pushed it away. I actively fought against it was that people would come up to me after a talk and they would say something like, I really loved what you said. Like, I really love this distinction or that lesson or that thing. And I'm really excited to practice it. But more than that, there was something about the way you showed up that just gave me permission to be more playful in life. Yeah, you say awe, and I should have said awe, but I didn't. I was like, yeah, 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 playful joy. Tell me how smart I am again. Tell me, what was it about the distinction you love so much? And I was actively pushing away this thing that people were saying, you made a difference in my life in this way, like at a deep, fundamental, energetic level. There was one time I was on this morning talk show in Sacramento, California, Good Day Sacramento, the anchor was amazing. Some of these anchors, you go on the shows, they don't care at all. They're asking you questions and you could say like, yeah, you know, all of my pets just died in a fire. And they go, that's fascinating. So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. (laughs) But this guy was on it. He had done the research. He was super just excited to be there. He brought a lot of energy to the interview. And afterwards he came up to me and for whatever reason, and you guys know what this looks like, quick detour. For those of you who are coaches, speakers, online educators, whatever, if you have a big ego, you're going to hate what I'm about to say but just stay with me for a minute. You are in the reminder business. You're not that special. You are, but not for the reasons you think. You're in the reminder business. Stop all this pressure of coming up with the most revolutionary thing in the world that's gonna change everybody's lives because essentially we know this stuff. I need the reminders. I immerse myself in this world for the last five years. I do this work on a daily basis with other people. I get paid to do this work and yet I still need reminders. So why would I think people who are not immersed in this work wouldn't also need reminders? You're in the reminder business. That can be freeing as shit if you really see it for what it is. So back to this guy in Sacramento. He said, listen, I love what you said. I read half of your book before you came here. I loved what you said in the book. He's like, but dude, there's just something about the joy you bring when you walk in a room. Our producers said it. Our camera people said it. The line producer said it. The people who set the appointment said it. I'm saying it, everybody sees this joy that you bring. And for whatever reason, that day, that reminder, I knew that I was a playful guy, but that reminder from that person in that day is what made me make the shift of what I'm gonna tell you here. Is that instead of trying to be known for something, I shifted into what could I be known for activating within others? Instead of what can I be known for What could I be known for activating in others? And I want you all to really do this work. There are ways you can do this. There are questions you can ask people. Ask people straight up, people that you love, people that trust you, people that really know you. Ask them, what do you get from being around me? How does your life feel after an interaction with me? You can ask them this. What do I activate in you? What do I give you permission to do in life? And it doesn't matter if you're a coach or not. If you're a service provider, if you're any kind of entrepreneur, and you agree, as we talked about earlier, that you are at the forefront of what you're selling, then it's so important to know this. Because once you know what you activate within people, that becomes the butter in the pan of every dish that you cook. And it's so beautiful to do that because when you really key into that, when you really figure out what it is for you, maybe you help people see possibilities. Maybe you give them hope. Maybe you are playful and you activate joy. Maybe you activate deep thought. Maybe you polarize. There's something that you do. Every single one of you activates something within people. And when you know that, especially from a personal branding perspective, it's beautiful because you can change what you are known for limitless times. And as long as people are keyed into what they know they can expect from you, what you are going to activate within them energetically, they'll follow you if this changes. Is this making sense? Yes or yes? Yes. I'm stealing it. I think it's like I have to pay him a dime every time I say it, but it's totally worth it. A dollar or two for this whole talk? Totally cool. When I work with people in groups, we've done live days together, like at a seminar. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality, to health and wellness, to relationship, is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. 
I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. We spent a half a day on this distinction because I believe it's so important. The butter in the pan, the thing that underpins everything you do, to anchor into that state before you do anything else. And I know this to be true for me. This is not anecdotal. This is not intellectual because my message has changed a lot over the last five years. And the same people will continue to follow me because they know no matter what I share, no matter what I'm known for, they always know they'll leave with a certain feeling from interacting with me, whether online, in person, anything else. So I want you to do this work for yourself. Ask people what you activate within them. Another thing you can do, another way you can find this for yourself, look back at your childhood and look for two different things. Number one, what you were praised for. The way you got love, affection, attention, admiration. For me, when I look back as a kid, I was a performer. I was always the one telling jokes. Probably way inappropriate for like a seven-year-old, the jokes I was telling, but whatever. At least I'm consistent. I would sing, like I would be the one at family dinners, lip-syncing or singing and just performing and bringing joy into the world. That was the thing that I got praised for. And the other side of that is look back in your life as a kid and see what did you get in trouble for? Because that's also very telling about what you can activate in people in a positive way. I also got in trouble for being the class clown. I got in trouble for being a little bit disruptive. My mom would get report cards home from my teacher saying, Jason's such an amazing student, so bright, so talented. If he would just shut the hell up, he would be an absolute joy to have. And I think that's wrong for a teacher to write that. I don't know. I'm not a teacher in that way, but I think it's wrong to write that. So this is a big thing for me. So when you're worried about being a 100% original, all-knowing expert, realizing that you don't have to be an expert at anything but you. This is something I say all the time, is to remember that at one point, the Beatles were a cover band. They had to just do the work out in the world to find who they really were. So get out in the world and start using your gifts in whatever way you have them. Figure out what you're known for activating and then put your message on top of that. Because here's the big equation that changes. When I first started, I thought that, and I knew this was kind of part of it in some way. When I first started though, I believe that success in the personal growth world at least, coach, speaker, online educator, things like that, was 90% what I'm known for and 10% what I activate in other people. And guess what I found out eventually? They're flipped. This is 90% you, 10% what you're known for. How do I know this to be true? Because if you were to look at my timeline on Facebook at any given time, you will see people tagging me in posts about bacon, socks, and rap music. Oh, and to Jason's point, two out of three, I got bacon socks, okay? <laughs> I'm all about efficiency, guys. How is that important? How could I possibly attribute that to me growing my business at the level I have? because people feel connected to me first. People don't buy from businesses, they buy from people that they connect to. So you want to increase what I call, especially if you're doing anything online, this is especially effective with online stuff, is your Hoff. And no, I don't mean the guy from Baywatch who was eating the burger all drunk on the floor, not that Hoff. This Hoff stands for hangout factor. You want to increase your hangout factor. And when you increase your hangout factor, people want to hang out with you. They look at you online, they see whatever you're sharing, doesn't matter what the 10% is, your message, they go, I like this person. 
There's something about them. They're kind of cool. I'd like to grab a beer with them. I'd like to go to dinner with them. I'd like to just kind of be in their sphere. And if people feel that way about you and they feel like they truly know you and what makes you tick, then it lowers all the resistance for them to be able to receive your message, that 10%. See, I'm kind of a goofball and I perform and I do funny stuff. And I can share this with you guys because of the context of what we're talking about. Everything that happened at the start of this talk today was to lower your resistance to learning. I showed up in my joy and in my play and in my fun before I gave you anything of value content-wise because I wanted you to be in a state of joy and play and fun. I wanted to activate that within you so that you'd be more willing if that resonates. Now, there are some people who are not going to resonate. I remember when I had a video that went up promoting playful prosperity and I talk very fast, right? If you guys haven't noticed, I talk very fast and it just means you have to listen faster. And so this woman posted on one of my videos, you are so irritating. And I responded to her and I said, you're right. <laughs> Sometimes I'm irritating as shit. And then she responded, but not nearly as irritating as my soon-to-be ex-husband. <laughs> I immediately found that guy and congratulated him, by the way. <laughs> so not everybody's going to resonate, but for the people that do, they will go through hell with you. They'll go to the heights of heaven and the pits of hell. They'll be with you when there's missteps in your business. They'll celebrate and, and spread your message far and wide. They'll be raving loyal fans. Look at how all of us, and I say us including me, are raving fans of Mind Valley. It's because there's an energetic connection. There may be teachers that you found or authors that you found that drew you in because of the subject matter. I guarantee you, and if you think I'm wrong, sit with this until I'm right, is that nobody sticks around Mind Valley online or offline coming to events like this because of the teachers alone. Because all these teachers teach other places and there are other teachers who teach things like them, but there's an energetic field, an energetic vibe, the whole lit upness. You guys know this, Mind Valley is all about being lit up. So people who resonate with being lit up in their lives will follow Mind Valley no matter what goes on. And I want that for all of you and it's possible for all of you. So focusing on your hangout factor and not worry about being a 100% all knowing expert. Is this making sense? Yes? yes. Is this helpful? Yes? yes. No options there. <laughs> Just yes. Okay. So to kind of sum this up, I talk about mindset and entrepreneurship. That's essentially everything that I talk about. And so people could say, well, everybody talks about that. Or a lot of people talk about that. You're right. See, it may just be mindset. But when I talk about mindset, I bring in comedy. I bring in high energy. I bring in an occasional F-bomb. Fuck. And massive amounts of joy and simplification to complex and otherwise boring or heavy ideas. This is possible for everybody here. Find out what it is you activate and make that the base foundation of everything you teach. The next simple fundamental misunderstanding is about overcoming ego and resistance. Anybody ever feel resistance around doing things, getting to work, putting things out in the world? Be honest, guys. It's okay. And I'm raising my hand too. Like I feel resistance all the time. It's totally cool. And again, nobody wakes up in the middle of the night, except for you here in the front row, saying, if I could just overcome my ego and resistance, I'd be successful. <laughs> but I love that you do that. And I doubt you do this at two in the morning, but it just felt jolly to do it. I don't know. Usually it shows up as this, oh crap, this is serious. I need to be completely fearless, fully believe in myself and have the perfect pitch before I can put myself out there. Has anybody ever felt that way? Show of hands. I have felt this way so many times. And I've been told by people, many of you probably have as well, that there are ways to push fear out of your life, to get over fear, to push through fear, to overcome fear, to insert masculine verb, fear here. That's one of those jokes I can't do in corporate environments. What do you mean masculine verb? All verbs are masculine. <laughs> We're so diverse here. We got white guys with hair and without hair. Hashtag social commentary. So the need to be completely fearless, again, is just one of these simple fundamental misunderstandings. I don't need to be fearless. I don't need to control my emotions that way. So I don't get over fear. I don't try to get over fear anymore. What I do with fear and with heavy emotions, I won't even call them negative emotions. I don't believe in negative emotions. I mean, they feel negative, but when you're not super low, you realize what they are. There's a great chapter in my book called Your Intuition is Drunk. 
I would definitely read that chapter because it goes a little deeper into this. But what I try to do now is to feel the fear and allow it to be irrelevant. So if I need to overcome the fear, I now need to spend my creative time and energy trying to force something out that honestly doesn't want to be here anyways. Thoughts and emotions, they come in and they like just want to hang out for a little while and like kind of terrorize you. I have another chapter in the book called Quieting the Baby Assassin. And that's in your head. I picture like a little baby in like a ninja uniform and he's kicking and chopping and shit inside my head. He doesn't want to stay, right? Like those thoughts don't want to stay. They want to leave. But what we do is, is the fear comes in and instead of saying, oh cool, there's the fear. That's that thing that happens sometimes and just kind of letting it be and making it irrelevant to your experience of life. We grab onto it and we make it our dolly. And we're like, I'm going to take you everywhere with me and you're my new best friend and tell me how much I suck. Tell me I'm fat and I'm stupid and I'll never be successful. And we carry it with us. And that's when we're trying to overcome fear, that's what we're doing. We're holding on to something that doesn't want to stick around to begin with. So I want to do my best to make this irrelevant, to see it, to allow it to be, and not have some huge impact on my experience of life. Now, how do we do that? There's another distinction I want to share with you that I go back to time and time again, especially in my own life, but with clients as well. And the only time we get into this place where we think we need to be completely fearless and completely believe in ourselves and have the perfect pitch before we can put ourselves out there is when we are here in a place of ego. I need to be completely fearless. I need to fully believe in myself. It's me, it's me, me, me. And when it's about me, it gets serious. When it's about me, it gets significant. But when I can flip this and instead be in a place of service, everything changes. I cease to exist. Ego versus service. And this is something that I literally go back to all the time. When I was creating Playful Prosperity, I remember there was one day, it was a filming day, and there was like eight or nine hours of content that we were filming. And I was so in my head. I was so in a place of ego. I was so like, I don't think this is good enough. What if the content's not powerful enough? What if people don't sign up? What if this is a massive failure? What if I'm spending all this time, effort, and money, and energy creating something that nobody gives a shit about? Totally spiraling. And so I took this big piece of flip chart paper and I put it up on the wall behind where the camera was and I wrote on it in huge letters, ego versus service. And then I wrote a big old arrow and circled service and wrote, stay the fuck here. <laughs> and as soon as I really keyed into that and said, wait a second, this isn't about me. This isn't about being perfect. This isn't about being polished. It's about being helpful. Nobody cares if you're perfect. Nobody cares if you're polished. People are dying to have some level of improvement in their lives. And if you're anywhere on the journey that's even one step ahead of where they are, you have so much to offer. If you truly want to be of service to people in the world, you're actually doing a disservice to those people by not sharing what it is you know. Literally, you're doing the opposite of what you say you want to do. I do the same thing. I still do it. I still have to make sure I'm remembering that I'm in a place of service. Ego also comes up in selling. It comes up in marketing. Anytime it's about me and how do I close the sale? How do I close the deal? How do I get this person to give me money? It's all about me. What happened to the service? What happened to the co-creation? What happened to my goal here of actually serving people? I have a very simple business plan and business strategy that I'll share with you. Because people in the beginning, again, business as usual. You have to have a business plan. So I said, okay, I'll create a business plan and a business strategy. Here's mine. My business plan is to leave everybody I meet with at least 5% more joy than I found them. And my business strategy is to really give a shit about the work I do and the people I do it with. That's it. Done. But it really can be that simple. Service, mastery, and integrity. What if that's all it took to run a business? And playfulness. Let's not forget playfulness. Service, mastery and integrity. What if that's all it took? And we could play with all this stuff, but staying in a place of service, asking myself every day, who can I serve? And when I feel any kind of stress or tension around putting myself out there, it's a reminder for me to slow down and say, am I coming from ego or am I coming from service? A hundred times out of a hundred, I'm coming from ego. And it's an easy shift. Something else here is this whole perfect pitch thing. 
that's also really rooted in scarcity. So I remember the first time I came to A-Fest, which was Costa Rica 2015. Anybody there in 2015 in Costa Rica? Yes, a few people, yeah. If you work for Mind Valley, it doesn't exactly count the same, but I'll give it to you. Anybody who doesn't work for Mind Valley that was in Costa Rica? Okay, never mind. The people that work for Mind Valley, my favorite. Oh, we got one back there. Sweet. Okay. So that was awesome. And it was one of the most stressful experiences of my life. <laughs> because you walk into an environment like this, less people, 400, 350, 400 people, and there's this belief that you need to connect with everybody. Or you need to find the highest value targets. Or you do the thing that I know nobody in this room would ever do is, how do I get an hour with vision? <laughs> Thank you, honest people. And I was doing the same thing, right? It's like, how do you get this time with these people? And what it did was it put me in this energetic funk of scarcity, of trying to find the perfect thing to say at the perfect moment. This applies to dating. This applies to sales. This applies to business. This applies to friendships. This applies to everything in my world. And... That experience was extremely stressful. Fast forward to my next experience of A-Fest, which was in Mexico in 2016. Anybody in Mexico in 2016? Anybody who wasn't there in 2016, can you just woo anyways? Sweet. I'm going to start doing the blip negative side. That works. Totally different experience because I went in with this different mentality that I want to offer you. I would go into every event, I would go up to every person that I met, every person that I wanted to meet, every person I didn't know that I wanted to meet. And I had this mindset of, I'm going to see this person every day for 10 minutes for the next six months. So if I know I'm going to see them every day for 10 minutes for the next six months, I don't need to rush the relationship in this five or 10 minutes I'm with them. I used to think I hated selling and then I really realized I hated rushing relationships. I hated rushing relationships. So notice there is no perfect pitch. I wrote about this in the book as well. There was a guy that invited me onto his podcast and one of his closing rapid fire questions was, it was time for the closing rapid round of questions. And so my question to you is, give us your five second elevator pitch. Thank God it wasn't video. I rolled my eyes so hard. I could see into my skull. I was just like, oh, fucking elevator pitch. I said, okay, if I had five seconds, I'd say, hi, my name is Jason. What's going on in your world? He never invited me back on to the podcast. <laughs> but that's where you get again into a place of service, into a place of creativity, into a place of abundance, not in this place of scarcity where I need to sell myself. I need to prove something to you in five seconds. Why don't we just slow down and try to connect with people and be more interested than we are interesting? Yes, yes? Yeah. Okay, beautiful. You guys getting those questions ready? We're getting close to coaching time. The last one here is sustainable impact and income. Sustainable impact and income. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go back for a second because there's something else I wanna share with you guys that I wasn't gonna share, but I really want to now. Okay, cool. And I get to do this like Jason said, it's my stage, I can do whatever the hell I want. So one note about resistance, because we did have a few people, a few brave, honest souls who admitted they have experienced resistance before and felt like there was something they wanted to create and they just didn't put it out there in the world. Show of hands again for anybody who's ever felt resistance around putting themselves out in the world. Ah, yes, we're getting more honest. I love this. The coffee's kicking in or the Alkagizer or whatever else the hell you guys are IVing into yourselves here at My Value. Resistance is a beautiful thing because resistance and self-sabotage, who here has ever self-sabotaged? This is my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I was on this diet, I was doing so good, but then I self-sabotaged and had a cookie. Guess I'm screwed now. I was doing consistent stuff online, I was posting every day, and then I stopped, I just gave up. I always sabotage myself. First of all, it's just so shitty to do that to ourselves. I'm sure you guys have heard this quote before, if beating yourself up was gonna work, it would have worked by now. So resistance and self-sabotage is actually really interesting because a lot of people will say, and I'm curious to hear from you guys, honestly, who here thinks that they would be more successful if they were more committed? Raise your hand. If they had a higher level of commitment. Yeah, totally. I've totally felt that. I'm just not that committed of a person. Historically, I just haven't really committed so much. I was almost committed once, but not in that way. And so a lot of people think I need more dedication. I need a better work ethic. All that stuff is just so heavy work ethic. Now it's a moral thing, whether I do shit. I don't want to be judging myself morally because I didn't post on Facebook today. This is horseshit. 
So what I finally realized was that self-sabotage, resistance, all of these things that we think are a sign that we're not committed enough actually is a sign that we are super committed. We are ridiculously committed. You say, how in the hell is that possible? Well, I'll tell you. It's something called competing commitments. Competing commitments is something that when I learned about it, and started practicing in my life and noticing and priming myself to see it, which is what I hope that you guys will do once you hear about this, it can be so freeing just to notice it, just to see it. What a competing commitment is, is that you are essentially, as it says, committed to two things that compete with each other. So for example, with the self-sabotage around dieting, you might say, I'm committed to living a healthy lifestyle. You say, I'm committed, I'm committed, but then I self-sabotage. No, no, no. It's actually proof. You self-sabotaging is proof of just how committed you are. Because at the same time, you may be committed to not be a prisoner, to not be a slave to a workout and eating regimen that you think is going to be too hard to follow. You're committed to two things at the same time. I'm committed to eating healthy, and I'm committed to not having my life taken over by a healthy diet. Whichever of those commitments is stronger is the one that wins. You're not not committed. You're just committed to the thing that doesn't serve you instead of committed to the thing that does serve you. This may seem super simple, but it's really, really powerful. Think about this. I'm committed to putting myself out there in the world and launching my website for my coaching services, but I don't do it. I'm just not committed enough. I self-sabotage. I have resistance. No, you don't. You're committed to not being rejected. You're committed to not feeling like nobody's come to your website. You're committed to not feeling like a failure or a fraud. That's great. Like if you really believe that putting your website out has the potential to make you feel rejected or feel like a fraud or be alone, it's in your best interest to not launch a website. But it's just not true. So the way that I've started reframing this, and it's an exercise I do in Playful Prosperity. We won't have time to dive into it, but I want to at least give you the bones of it. And I can share it with you guys too. Maybe I'll post something in the group, like a worksheet or something, so you can do this on your own because it does take a little bit of time and I want you to sit with it. Is to recognize that the competing commitment, the thing that you're hoping will not happen, doing that thing actually supports what you want. Sounds like total gobbledygook when I explain it that way, but I'll tell you what I mean. It's just as true, if not more true, that putting yourself out there in the world and sharing your website and sharing your message and actually launching whatever it is you want to launch could actually support you in feeling the way you want to feel as opposed to put you at risk of feeling what you don't want to feel. So if you feel like putting yourself out there could make you feel potentially rejected or alone, then if you look at this, you could actually find evidence. You could find real tangible reasons that launching yourself into the world is what will make you feel accepted, that will make you feel like you are inclusive, that will make you feel like you are completely on track with what you're doing. And people would say, well, that doesn't make sense. That's just like flipping it around. Well, not exactly. Because if you put it out there and one person resonates with what you've shared, you've now proven to yourself that you're not being rejected. You're being accepted by a smaller group of people. But we need to find evidence that talks to the contrary of what we believe or will stay in this place of resistance. So we need to get really clear what are the competing commitments. An easy way to find where your competing commitment is is to ask yourself, and this question will totally fuck with your brain. Think about the thing that you want to create healthy body, strong relationships, profitable business, whatever it is, and ask yourself, what is the worst part about being successful at that? And when I ask clients that, they go, the best part of being successful at that. No, 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 wait, slow down. Not the best part. We know the best part. That's easy. What's the worst part? What's the bad part? What's the thing you fear would happen if you are successful? That's where the real competing commitment comes out. That's the only thing that's actually holding you back. I've had people before that say like, oh, I'm afraid to sell. I'm afraid to be on the phone. I'm afraid to propose my coaching services. And when we get down to it, we find out they're afraid that if somebody says yes, they won't be good enough to serve them to the extent of which they're paying money for coaching. So the worst part of them getting a yes from a prospect on the phone is that they may fail them once they actually start coaching them for money. Isn't that screwed up? If you really believe that, you won't do anything in the world. So it's so fun to go back again to this question that I keep going back to is, how can I play with this? (laughs) 
is really how can I play with this? So competing commitments, again, I had to go through that kind of fast. I'll post something in the group so you guys can do more with that. And of course, I'll be here the entire month so you can ask me more questions about that if you want to. Okay, so last one, sustainable impact and income. This shows up as, oh crap, this is serious. I only have one chance to really nail this if I'm gonna build a sustainable business that I love with lots of impact and income. Anybody ever felt this? I only have one chance. Whatever I put out better be good. This better be the post that's gonna get people to like my page. This better be the post that's gonna get people to pay me money for my services. This better be the one. I have never felt this. Oh wait, that was this morning. No, yeah, it happened this morning, sorry. Yeah, this is a big one. And so the thing that I wanna share with you here is that I write about this concept in Prison Break. I have this chapter in Prison Break called, It's Not Your Only Line in the Play. And the analogy there is, imagine that you are off on the side of a stage of a huge Broadway production. You're about to make your entrance on stage and you have one line, a pivotal line. The degree to which you nail this line will make or break the entire production. Everybody is counting on you to crush this line. How do you feel off on the side of the stage? Do you feel expansive and abundant and <laughs> want to twirl because you love your life and your business so much? Oh my God, I hear clicking. They just got that on camera. <laughs> do you feel that way or do you think you feel stressed, heavy? What does that feel like? Terrified? Scared? Feces, for short. So what if instead you're waiting off on the side of the stage and instead of having one line in the play, you literally have dialogue on every single page of this production. You go up on stage, maybe you flub a line. Maybe you literally like really screw up a line. Maybe instead of Shakespeare, you say steak and shake. You screw something up. But here's the great part. Three seconds later, you have another line. And three seconds after that, another line. And you'll do this show five times a day, seven days a week for six weeks. It doesn't matter if you flub the one line because it's not your only line in the play. And the same is true here energetically when we really get that it's not our only line in the play, we can create from a place of service and playfulness, a place of sincerity, a place of creativity, a place where we're at a high level of consciousness, where we can think of amazing creative things to share because we're not in this place of scarcity. That one thing has to be the thing that changes our life or our business. I like to tell people sometimes when they're really scared about putting themselves out, especially online, sharing content or doing a Facebook Live or whatever. I use this thing called the prison break question, right? So this actually didn't even make it in the book. I should probably add this to the book. A PBQ. And what a PBQ does... Prison break question is essentially a question that you create for yourself that makes something that feels like a problem no longer problematic. It doesn't solve the problem. It makes the problem no longer problematic. And the format for a prison break question is essentially, if I knew, what would I do? So for example, if you're really scared about putting yourself out there in the world, sharing your message, if you're scared about going to talk to a girl or a guy at a bar, whatever you're afraid of doing, the very first prison break question I ever created before I knew what I was doing, it's just something I did for myself because I was feeling really fearful and anxious about putting myself out there with a new project that I was doing. And I came up with this question. And the question was, if I knew I was unconditionally loved, supported, and accepted, how would I show up differently in this moment? It doesn't solve the problem of putting myself out there in the world. It makes the problem of putting myself out there in the world no longer problematic. Because if I really know in that moment, if I really feel that I am unconditionally loved, supported, and accepted in that moment, my entire energy changes. I get back into a place of service. I get back into a place of creativity. Does that resonate, yes or yes? That's my favorite PBQ, and there are tons of PBQs. If there's as many PBQs as there are people, times infinity. You can make them all up, right? It's all this, if I knew, what would I do kind of thing. But there's a great PBQ for this as well with thinking it's your only line in the play. If I knew I was going to create 1,000 things over the course of my life, how would I show up differently in creating this thing that's in front of me? Do you see how it takes the pressure off? If you know you're creating a thousand things over the course of your life or your business, and this is just number one, why be stressed? You got 999 more to go. 
And sometimes I'll take it even further and I say, if I knew that I was gonna create a thousand pieces of content over the course of my life and the first 10 had to suck before I was legally allowed to be awesome, how would I show up to this first piece of content? (laughs) And then kind of auto-magically, you break the law and you're awesome from the beginning because energetically you're just there to serve, you're there to create, you're there to have fun. So there's one other thing here that I wanna share with the sustainable part of a business. There's a buddy of mine, a guy named Jonathan Kaiser. He wrote a book called Disruptive. Awesome, awesome book. I don't know if it's still available. It was kind of a limited production thing, but you may be able to find it. So look it up. Great book, Disruptive, Jonathan Kaiser. And he interviewed a guy in the book who was the number one insurance salesman in all of Arizona. And he asked this guy, how did you become the best insurance salesman in all of Arizona? And the guy's response was, I was never the best I just stuck around long enough for everybody else to quit. (laughs) And when I heard that, I was like, damn, that's good. Consistency, showing up in playful prosperity. We have so many hashtags. It's almost hard to catch up with. Hashtag that we have there is hashtag JFT, just for today. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? I didn't. I lost one pound 130 times. Just for today. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.